So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. Mr. Hall was way harsh. He gave me a C minus. <laughs> well, he gave me a C, which drags down my entire average. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 47. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1995 movie Clueless. So Charles, tell us about Clueless. Okay, so Clueless is about Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone, who is a... Not the singer. Yeah, the singer. Who yes. is a rich, um, popular high schooler, who is like, you know, the typical, like very superficial kind of person. She likes to help others for her own personal gain to try to like improve her grades and her social standing and that sort of thing. So a new student joins who she thinks is totally clueless and she decides out of her generosity to help out this new student to fit in and make her popular just kind of to exercise her godly powers as the most popular girl in school I guess. Then things start to kind of fall apart for her. Things don't like all go right. She fails her driving test. Uh, she can't get a guy, you know, that sort of thing. And she realizes that it is her all along who is clueless. <laughs> but then she realizes that she actually is in love with her stepbrother. And then everything works out. She starts helping people out of real generosity instead of some shallow social standing motivation. Well, supposedly. Right. I'd like to think that she's doing it out of actual generosity. I, I had to reread the Wikipedia article in this movie because I was like... You weren't able to follow it? No, I was like, are they related? <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest part about this movie. And well, I, they specify at the beginning that that uh, their parents were only married for a very brief amount of time. Right, like they bend over backwards to be like... They, there's the, the line shows up three times, like, he's not my brother. Like, she says that yeah, over and over yeah. again in the voiceover. But it still is, like, really strange. It's a bit weird. It's a bit Even though weird. technically they're not related at all, it's still weird. It, yeah, I, I agree. That um, stood out to me a lot on this watch through. Is yeah. like, this feels weird. Yeah, and it's, I, it, <laughs> I haven't read Emma. Um, this is based on Emma by Jane, Jane Austen. Austen. Yeah. Um, and Jinx. yeah, that, that kind of thing might have been more common back in, you know, Victorian England. Uh, oh, we know for sure it was. Well, right? okay, yeah, <laughs> it might have it actually was. The um, <laughs> royal family being a great example. Yeah, exactly. So especially in the aristocracy. Yeah. Um, but it still feels like something that definitely should have been written out <laughs> in this reimagining. It does not feel necessary to the story other than to keep it true to Emma. Which, right. Otherwise, well, it's not. True yeah, and true like you need them yeah. to be in the same space together a lot and like have this hangout time. They could just be childhood friends or something. Yeah, there were so many other ways that they could have structured it. I feel like. And so I don't know what the thinking was or there. Or it could be like Royal Tenenbaums, where it like embraces that weirdness. Or like, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, this is weird. Yeah, and they're into it. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the point is to make it an obligation for right. her to be with him, so that she like begrudgingly sees him, and then has the transition over time. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I still feel like there's got to be another way yeah. <laughs> to, to do that. Because um, that this is just a weird thing in this movie that you have to kind of watch around, Yeah, I guess. But yeah, every time I see it, I'm like, man, I wish they had handled this a little differently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but in any event, uh, Crossman, you selected Clueless. Uh, what what brought you to this Yeah, movie? it's been on the list for a while. Yes. And we've like avoided... We haven't done a lot of 90s movies, actually, considering, like, how many movies we've done. Yeah. And that also kind of struck me during the movie. I was like, because it's very, like, culturally of the moment, of yes. its moment, of, like, 90, 94 when it's yeah. being made and 95 when it comes out. Like, the Mighty Mighty Boston's are in it. The yeah, way they, they are. <laughs> <laughs> the way that they dress is terrible. Yep. Oh, God. Uh, like, the technology is, like, very present in the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, her so, fucking uh, clothing selection computer. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Which, match found. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. Okay. <laughs> um, 
It, so it's it's a very popular movie because uh, it's great. Like people remember this movie like very fondly. Yeah. And I didn't realize um, that because I don't feel like I've heard of people like talking about it. Oh, really? I, I don't history, even as like a '90s kid. Yeah, like e- even before I watched it, because I didn't watch it till later on. I didn't I didn't see it when it came out or anything. Um, but I was still familiar with many of the the references and the, mm. the lines from this movie. But anyway, it, it's not like a guy's film so like if you're not <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> certainly but yeah it's a very popular film um i th- i think it's one of the like better teen movies it's particularly coming out of the 90s um yeah it's it's like a fun watch it's funny yeah. it's uh it struck me as very weird this time around because of her relationship with her stepbrother super weird um <laughs> it's an interesting like 90s artifact and interesting to compare it to like other 80s movies that we've done and to like see how that like the how shift. it's progressing uh yeah i, I think those are the reasons so those are good reasons movie. yeah um what do you what do you think of it charles um well i enjoyed it uh i don't know if it's the kind of movie where like you would get on someone's case for not having seen it, um, like, it, like as is the theme for this podcast. I don't know if it's one of those <laughs> kinds of movies. People it doesn't do, feel like it's actually. I think this is one of those movies. Wilson actually yeah. has a friend that was on his case about this, right? Like, yeah. I had, like uh, that's part of the reason I'm glad that Crossman picked it. I have a uh, loyal listener, so uh, hello, Mandy, um, who uh, <laughs> has been on my case to do Clueless for a while. Yeah. Um, and I love this movie too, so I'm glad we finally got a chance to do I, that. I've had this requested to me, and I've also had um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, that's a good one which too. Which is similar. Yeah, and in, also in a number of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there were some moments that I appreciated some funny writing. It's just overall the movie felt very similar to some of the previous like kind of high school movies that we've seen. Sure. Uh, it's like it feels like the same thing, but reskinned with some '90s culture. Yeah, and I get why someone will get there. Like I can see that path, um, but I think to, for me anyway, what set, sets this movie apart and what makes it, I don't know, different than something like Mean Girls, which came along later, or Heather's, or some of the other movies that we've watched, um, is is Cher and mm-hmm. Alicia Silverstone. I said at the end of our last episode that I think she's one of the best comedic characters ever, and I stand by that. Like I actually think that. Um, I think what sets her apart is I I read her generosity more sincerely than you do, I yeah. think. So I, I like that the arc isn't, she starts as this wholly selfish person, bad things happen to her because she is selfish, she learns to not be selfish anymore, right? Like, I don't think that's what her arc is. I think mm-hmm. what happens to Cher in this movie is, yeah, she has that moment where she's like manipulating the teachers a little bit to like make their grades better or something. Yeah. If they fall in love with each other. But I, I feel like the character is communicated in such a way that she's actually just getting a lot of sincere joy out of making people happy. And the arc for the character is she is selfless and so selfless that it's harmful to her and she can't look out for herself. And yeah. she learns that you can still be a kind and generous person while still taking into account your own happiness. And I haven't I, read I Emma, but I understand that to be the purpose of the book. Okay, as well, well then, <laughs> then it was I feel like I got that reading yeah. from my viewing of it though. No? Like at the beginning, it just seems like they're strongly portraying that everything she does is out of a selfish motive and they like say it very loudly. That's what I think. That that's kind of the complexity of the character because that's how she thinks she's behaving mm-hmm. with the teachers at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So like that—that's that's her with the way she approaches it and the way she, the reason she thinks she's motivated, right? Is she wants to make these teachers happier by pairing them up with one another so that her grades improve, right? I think relatively early in that process, she just is finding the sheer joy of making people happy and bringing them together mm-hmm. to be its own reward, right? Like that, okay. that uh, I think that's communicated in the performance. I think you see. I think you, she sees herself as like a matchmaker. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. That's really like what she's interested in. Right, and and the the joy that she gets from that is so sincere. Like that, that's the other thing I like about this performance is that it's so honest and it's so like just what this character is actually feeling, and there's no irony to it. And actually, mm-hmm. and unlike a lot of like, okay, so th- this sort of moment where like one character like helps other characters get together is often spun very negatively in these kind of like teen movies yeah. so it's mm-hmm. done to like manipulate a particular character mm-hmm. um so often it's like here's this 
frumpy girl. We're going to give her the makeover, mm-hmm. and then we're going to pair her up with like the hot guy from the high school. And then, lo and behold, like they actually right. end up right. falling in love. And she was hot all the time, all along. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plot of she's numerous yeah. teen movies. She saw that most notably. Yeah. And this is not that. This is actually the opposite of that, where right. she's actually like, she's sincere in her intentions. Right. But so sincere that she ignores her own self-interest. Right. And I think it's important to note that sincerity in intention doesn't mean that her intentions are good. Because I think that mm-hmm. like she's trying to pair up Ty with this Elton guy and it's like it's clearly a bad match. But it's not coming from any place of animosity or hostility. She just sincerely thinks that this is what's best for this girl. Mm-hmm. And she's wrong <laughs> right yeah. but it's coming from such a good-hearted and nurturing and generous place that i think i still stay on her side and i still like totally understand where this character is coming from uh, and that it, it it's so i mean especially for you know a 90 minute teen comedy that's that's nuance that's complexity mm-hmm. right like that there's a lot of subtlety in this in this character and the way that she grows and changes throughout the movie and i, I love it i love it about this movie yeah. yeah, I, I agree. Um, one thing that really struck me with this movie was the complete lack of impact of 90s culture on today, <laughs> <laughs> where it seems like none of the technology was lasting, right. none of the fashion lasted, <clears throat> none of the, the music was completely forgettable. Yeah, yeah, we reference 80s uh, fashion a lot these days, but I don't think we're going to reference 90s fashion except out of irony. Literally at all. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like a just complete loss. Well, especially, especially the men's fashion in this movie, right? Like the way that the, the men specifically are, dra- are dressing is yeah. horrendous, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, because it's like a post- grunge moment yeah and <laughs> yeah and these kids are all rich kids in you know beverly hills or wherever they are yeah and so yeah they, they look ridiculous i think that the alicia silverstone looks fantastic and dresses well for the quote great bulk of the movie but um yeah i think everyone else is they're kind of poking fun at it right like when um stacy dash shows, shows up in her first shot with that ridiculous giant hat on Right, like there's no way yeah, that they, they like. Yeah. She even had like a throwaway line making fun of it. I wish I could remember what it was, but yeah, I think that this movie is poking fun at some of those trends. It's it's amazing how not lasting mm-hmm. like '90s culture and mid '90s culture in particular is like just like completely <laughs> lost. How time. did this happen? Did they, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. How did anyone okay any of this? I don't know. I mean, I guess people like still like the Mighty Mighty Boss tones, but it's still this like classic act or like this almost almost a novelty act i remember like really liking them in high school and now when i listen to like any ska music i have like a physical aversion to it <laughs> there's like and three ska songs right <laughs> superman by there's, there's uh, one <laughs> that you only know because it was in tony hawk's <laughs> yeah, yeah, superman by Super, Goldfinger. yeah that's that one um there's uh like a real big fish song probably and yeah. like and then the mighty mighty boss the mighty like mighty a boss few yeah here and there yeah there's like a much larger depth to ska but like Whatever. 90s like punk ska is completely devoid of like any cultural value uh, <laughs> I, never, I never liked ska I, I, I never disliked it but it was always like this like almost neutral kind of music right like I would never seek it out but also never like run away from it I remember sure. like a friend of mine when this movie came out being like Oh, hey, the Boston's are in it, and that's like part of the reason that they like. And that was a draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they like featured pretty prominently. Yeah. They, they do two like almost complete songs in the yeah. movie, and I forgot that the the Boston's had a hype man who's like, yes, just like <laughs> whose only <laughs> job is just to like dance around the stage. <laughs> oh, yeah, their, their own flavor flav. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot that too. Um, but he was also featured in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, there's but there was still. Like music that I liked, like it opened with um, "Kids in America," which I haven't heard in a while, and like yeah. that's a good tune. Yeah, um, and uh, "No Doubt's Just a Girl." Yes, yeah, that which is also a good song. Um, kind of a ska song as well. It is. Well, I mean, "No Doubt" was kind of a ska band for a long time. I guess um, I like "No Doubt," so yeah, nah. they don't feel like ska. Yeah, um, I mean they're poppier ska, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean this had a. a a good soundtrack, but also a soundtrack that is just totally of its era. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I think, like, with 80s movies, there's, like, almost, like, an irony to sure. some of the music. Yeah. And 
Like no one listens to the Mighty Mighty Boss tones, ironically. Or yeah. No, or no one's or like, yeah, like I'm going to go to the... Any of yeah. these <laughs> songs, like they're not... They they seem so self-serious, but also like so commercialized. Like, because it was so clearly just like a money grab that like record producers just like signed a bunch of like punk bands in like the mid 90s and like, yep. like via payola or whatever, <laughs> like was able to like get them to yeah. like sell yep. records. I feel like and, a hint. And now all this feels like very lost to time. Like, right. Or the ones yeah. that stuck didn't show up in movies like this, right? Because like Green Day is still around, right? Like people still listen to Blink. Like like the pop punk and the mall punk, I feel, still has a following. But like the, the kind of stuff that appears in this movie, much less so. I think there were yeah. just so many one-hit wonders that like, yeah. it, like a lot of these bands just like didn't survive. Right. Like, when the, and, like we don't. Yeah, like the Green Days and the... Blink-182 had more than one hit, so they did. But yeah, yeah I think you're right about that. Um, or a lot of them like transformed, like they made like a turn in 2000s to like real music. Uh, <laughs> like no doubt. Uh, yeah, no doubt did this. Blink, yeah. um, Green Day did this. Yeah. Um, even the Red Hot Chili Peppers, for better or worse, like. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I mean, they were around in the 80s, though. But yes, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but speaking of things that I wouldn't stand in line for but also don't hate uh paul rudd is in this movie uh, <laughs> and he's kind of like kind of like an emo paul rudd right and it's like the yeah. he's an intellectual right it, it's to me it's like the appropriate dosage and intensity of paul rudd yeah in this movie yeah right like this is the correct amount of paul rudd that, i would uh, agree yeah it, it he always looks he always stands out weirdly when he's the lead i think he did find an ant-man for once but I remember watching, like, I Love You, Man. And I was like, why is Paul Rudd in every scene? Why is he the main <laughs> character here? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a, yeah you're right. He should oh, be, like, a We spoke about this online guy. last week, yeah. though. Um, he's really good in role models. And that's, like, a very yeah, underrated yeah, yeah. comedy. <clears throat> Which I have not seen and that, was but, totally off my right. I, I, like, highly very surprisingly it. good. It's, it's actually, like, film. very sweet movie and okay. very funny. Like, hysterically funny. Who else is in that one? That's uh, um, Sean William Scott. Sean William oh, Scott's okay. the other lead. And then a bunch of people from the state comedy group like Ken Marino and oh, okay. um, like that whole crowd. Right, right, right. And then a few like child actors that are really good. Yeah. Huh. Um, oh, that's relatively... Lovin, oh, that guy? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that came out not that long <laughs> ago, right? At his peak. Like three or four years? No, it's longer now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I might be confused. I highly recommend that. Some other... But yeah, in general, he's not like a good lead no i don't think so i mean you're right i think that he was fine in ant-man like they yeah, did enough i remember him being good in ant-man um but yeah by and large i'm not gonna go seek out the a paul rudd feature but here i i thought he like wasn't stepping all over everybody's jokes i thought that he wasn't like being weirdly befuddled all the time <laughs> right like i thought that he like he had a character that like did stuff and made sense and was a person um so i, yeah. I think he kind of worked there were a lot of backwards beanies a lot, yes, yes, you did. Beanies, yeah, yeah. You know that, like, the kind of like newsy cap. <laughs> uh, he, like, oh, wears it backwards because that's like a '90s thing. That's a very '90s thing. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh. It makes me wonder, like, stuff like that, and like the silly baggy jeans and everything that they were wearing. Jenkos, yeah. Jenkos, yeah. Like how yeah, style. how aware people in Amy Hackerling, like she wrote and directed, like how aware they were of the absurdity of the culture they were currently in. Well, this movie, they call it out. The, like, yeah. There's a scene where they're like, men's clothing is bad. <laughs> right. And they like yeah. show it's like... like the, here yeah, is an example. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So, yeah, I guess I don't really wonder it because they answered in the movie. But, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of... It takes a certain perspective and touch to like identify the absurdity of your own culture, right? Like, while it's happening. Right, like it, it's. I, I think that was pretty easy to see it, at the time. It yeah, was, I mean, this is the yeah, '90s. Sorry, was bad. Or a big, a big easy example, but still, like I think he gets credit for that. Yardage of cloth. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, a pair of Jinkos is at least yeah, you know, what two or three other pairs of jeans. Yeah, at least. Fit. I mean, but it comes out of like fake skater culture, yes. right? And like. I guess kind of like emulating rap a bit, but not really in like a in the worst way. And then you way. take yeah. it to the next extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger pants. Bigger, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this movie actually does have a skateboarding scene, or at the very end. Yeah, what's the, that actor's name? Who's like the skate guy? He, uh, he's like playing this Spicoli of this movie. Right. I looked it up and then forgot. But um, yeah, I I've, I just looked up 
the actor list. Reckon Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, he's in stuff. Like, I yeah. recognize. He's, he's very he, recognizable. I think I only recognize him from Rat Race. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, but yeah, he has one of those faces where it's like, oh, that dude. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've seen him in everything. He was in um, Road Trip. He was like one of the main characters in Road Trip. Okay, yes. I think yeah. he plays like the Paul Rudd character in that movie. Okay, <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's yeah, just one of those dudes that shows up and everything. Um, I like him here. Like, I think that he's funny. I think that he like fits the role of like the goofy stoner really well. Um, the he, best. He had a good chemistry with Ty the yeah. whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the, my favorite moment there is at the again at the end when she's like running the. A surface drive to get stuff for the people and wherever. Um, and, he, and he shows up and he apologizes for spilling on her shoes. And he says, I'm going through a program with a certain number of steps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 12? How did you know? How did you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was that was a good gig for me. Um, but yeah, I liked that guy. He was, he was good. Yeah, yeah. He's like believable as like the stoner guy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't necessarily super hard to pull off, but he did it without being grating. Although, kind of like at the end of the movie, she's like, "Actually, this guy's like okay, right?" Like, which is like what she—the other thing that she learns, right? Like, if there's one thing that's like actually a, a negative quality of hers, is that she's like, I guess the high school equivalent of classist. Yeah, and she learns that you know this guy can be okay, and it's not you know. A, well, that's a large day day. part of why I read her intentions negatively is because she adheres so tightly to the social hierarchy yes, of, of the school. Um, and so that <laughs> makes me read most of her intentions as being very shallow. Yeah, I think the, the reason it's different, it comes from intent and sincerity, right? Like, I don't think that, because she really cares about Ty doing well. And yeah. for her, doing well means ending up with the popular guy at school. Yeah, right? I can see that. So, like, the other thing she has to learn is that doing well can mean different things to different people and that it's okay for her to take care of herself, which we talked mm -hmm. about earlier. Um, so, yes, I agree that, you know, obviously <laughs> just going after the richest, most popular person is not an admirable quality, but that she is doing that for her friend because she thinks that's what what is best for her friend in a sincere way is, like, in a roundabout route a good thing, right? A, a positive quality. I think she also learns in a few different scenarios, like that her assumptions about the hierarchy of like the different characters is wrong. Yeah. And she like reassesses like her value of, of those characters. So the mm -hmm. the like stoner skater guy is a good example of this where she's like, oh yeah. this is like some loser whatever right and then at the end she's like oh he's like actually a good skater and yeah. is like turns out to be like a nice person and then the opposite of this is the eli or what's the elton elton, elton. yeah who's a total shitbag yeah, yeah and he's like the popular guy and <laughs> she like tries to get a friend Brittany Brittany murphy's character yeah. uh to hook up with this guy and then he, he ends up attacking her right and it's so she i think by like having these experiences she like begins to evaluate whether or not these like class classes like notions are correct or not and yeah or valuable. i think she learns correctly that they're not yeah. <clears throat> right right yeah. so yeah if there's any if there is an arc for this character and i think it's extraordinary that this 90 minute teen comedy has multiple arcs for one character um if there is one that's clearly like bad thing to good thing in terms of like how she treats her external world like that's it is that she learns more about class which is appropriate for a movie based on a Jane Austen novel because <laughs> yeah. that was all about class um, yeah so yeah this it really to me a really complex uh, a really complex character um, there's also like speaking of that scene where she's sexually assaulted and then mugged and then mugged like, yeah that was jarring right like that reads yeah, I think, just suddenly a gun at her head right like, like what the hell that reads us i think way more that felt very uh, 90s like la where it was like right there as was, soon as you're off the beaten path you just get robbed immediately yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> she tries to like negotiate with him because she's wearing some fancy dress yeah and she can't get on the ground for that reason uh, but it feels like something that you wouldn't really play for laughs now right like you know that that scene no. did not age particularly well in terms of like how it's Presented yeah. I think the movie like still presents it in the right way, but it, yeah. it's a little jokey, and I, I think it would be challenging to do that now. Right. I mean, like the joke about, oh, I can't do this because my my dress will get ruined, and she doesn't look 
he looks upset, but like upset because she's inconvenienced, not yeah. upset because she's gonna get shot. <laughs> and like that, she's just that like airheaded, right, or something. But that feels like a, a very much a product of its era. Like that, there's no way that that kind of scene gets shot in that way now in a comedy. Like that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think of like any reference. I wouldn't put it much. past film producers to make a scene like this even today I feel like I mean if they do I think that there would be blowback right okay. I think you I think you'd see stuff like actually being you know nearly raped and then mugged is not a joke <laughs> right it's not you know a mildly inconvenient end to your evening yeah. like there's more to it than that um, and that's really how it's pitched here um, but it does she does have that nice moment with uh, Paul Rudd where he he picks her up um, after that and she gets to correct the girl on her Hamlet, yeah, which yeah. is a scene that I love, because um, I think that's another interesting thing about this character is that she's not dumb, right? Like, she re really, like, she has yeah. moments where she's like forgetful or maybe not paying close attention, unfocused on stuff she's not interested in, but like she uses big words on a regular basis. She's like able to pull out these Hamlet references. <laughs> like she can I found it funny when she when she tried to use the big words because like she was very obviously like shoehorning them in. I guess right. she kind of pauses before saying them. Right. Sometimes but other times she's whipping out stuff like scholastic aptitude. And it's <laughs> like totally works, right? It's just like within her vernacular. And I kind of love that. Like they're not playing this character as just like a dumb blonde, right? Like she it like when she's not interested in something, she's not interested in something and like totally disengages from it. But outside of that, like she is sharp, like she is yeah. on it. And I, I like that about the character. I like that it's not just, oh, here's a dum-dum that we can laugh at all the time, right? Like she has more going on than that. Uh, which again, I think is a, a product of a film written and directed by a woman. Along similar lines, I really liked, uh, I don't remember the exact line, but when Dion's boyfriend gives, like, the very uh, eloquent, um, like, feminist yeah. treatise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something about, uh, he uses the word misogyny at some point. but yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but... Towards uh, the beginning of the movie. I thought it was later on. It was, like, okay, you're talking around about the guy from Scrubs. Yes. Yeah. Donald, uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Fajan? Fajan? Uh, but I forget. Yeah, I forget too. But this, yeah, pre Zach that, Braff. That uh, cracked me up, after, especially after the entire beginning of the movie where he keeps calling his girlfriend a woman. Ooh, and, woman. Yeah, and she constantly tells him that. Yeah. Too. And he, oh yeah, and he gives the speech about how like uh, saying woman is just a part of their vernacular and it doesn't necessarily have misogynistic undertones. Yeah, yeah. And he like rattles off this thing, which is like bullshit. But um, he he had it ready. Yeah. And they, and even like their relationship is interesting because like you get Cher's perspective on that one where she sees them together when they're not with other people and she like finds it sweet and yeah yeah, yeah. well fact, that's later after her right. epiphany yeah also the fact that there's like diversity in this movie at all is like kind of surprising for its yes. moment a lot of movies around the same time or don't have like a very diverse cast or white and black characters interacting with each other right like her just like. There's like plainly friends in this movie. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it never really comes up, right? Like not at all. Yeah, yeah Donald Fagen men yeah, mentions it. Um, I think I thought it was at the beginning when he gave that little spiel, but maybe it wasn't. But he does mention race a little bit at one point, but it's in passing. Yeah, the, the movie kind of pairs off races and relationships, yeah. which is like that's little, the one thing that like doesn't age yeah, well. A little but, problematic, uh, but yeah. if that's that's still 1995, so yeah. Um, and there's a gay character. Yeah. Who's like not played for laughs? Yeah, like, he's not at made all. fun of for being gay. No, yeah, like that, no. Cool. If anything, the joke is on Cher for missing it. Yeah, right. Like, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, they they I, don't. I really like the line when they're getting in the car, and he's like, "Do you like Billy Holiday?" She says, <laughs> "I love him. I love him." Yes, <laughs> that is. That, yeah, see, you found some of the classic lines in this movie already. Yeah. yeah, and then they speed off. I love that they they frame him as just like this James Dean. Look alike that he always dresses right, like look, 50s style. Right, walking straight out of Rebel Without a Cause. He also initially comes off as like kind of a jerk, but right. then it turns out he's like a really nice guy and a good friend to Right, so share. it's nice yeah. that they become great friends after. Yeah, like, they're the shopping buddies now. Yeah, yeah, he was like modeling clothes for her with he couldn't decide. Yeah, and like showing jacket. her art. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that's the other thing she learns is that like different friends can bring you different things, and yeah. like you can gain a lot by having a different 
a, a wide variety of people in your life um, and valuing all of them for you know what they you can offer them and what they can offer you. Uh, it's a good lesson. Um, and he also has the moment where he like saves Ty from those mall tufts yeah. <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah. Which is another kind of startling moment in this movie. Like classic 90s scene <clears throat> yes. where there's a disruption at the mall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something has happened at the mall. Yeah. So yeah. Malls are still in business and popular places to go. Right. That's, that's I went weird. to the mall a lot. I won't deny that. I'm a suburban kid. Yeah, man. I suppose you were. Yeah. yeah, that was not part of my life. It was yeah. too rural. We we had a pretty depressing mall in my own town. Yeah, um, but we did go. They had a, they had an arcade. That we, was we usually had nothing better to do, so we would go and like walk in a GameStop, and oh, I already know that all these games are out. Yeah, there's nothing to see here. You can play the demos. Yeah, <laughs> not into that. No. no, yeah, yeah. For me, it was the it was the card shop. Uh, there was no mall, so. I got got started on that part of my life pretty early on. Yeah, uh, but I was certainly aware of mall culture because it was it was everywhere. Everywhere. Was, yeah. Never participated. There's so many movies about teens at malls. Yeah, yeah. And, and even outside of the '90s, right? Like, uh, mall, when did Mall Rats come out? That's got to be a '90s film. Was it? Yeah, it looks like it was. Because that was the follow up to Clerks, right? Yeah, it's yeah. probably earlier than this film. Okay. Really? Mall no, Rats. Yeah, because Clerks came out in like '94, right? Uh, let's see. All right, yeah. I'm gonna risk risk playing gonna, fire here. Okay. <laughs> uh, Charles, have you seen Clerks? I have not. Okay, I hate Kevin Smith, so I'm not gonna pick. Okay. I'm not gonna pick fucking oh, Clerks. Marats is '95, so the, the oh, it's the same con- time. Contemporary. Oh, I thought it was much later. Okay. I must be thinking of one of the movies that's yeah, exact that's like copy the, of Mallrats. The slacker take on mall culture. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. It's a little bit more hostile to it. There's an 80s horror movie called Chopping Mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's about um, yeah, that is awesome. these automated security robots that get struck by lightning and then things go wrong. Come alive. And I think there was an episode of The Simpsons about that. It, it came scratchy. Probably. Yeah. Might have been a reference. Might have been. Yes. To Chopping Mall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? Yeah. It was for... Um, how did this get made? Which is the oh, okay. bad movie podcast I listen to. Yeah, and you actually keep up with. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah, I try to watch all the films. Some of them are not watchable. Right. Chopping Wall is actually like watchable. So. <laughs> Would you describe this oh, good? No. No. Okay. So it's not a recommend. No. Okay. All right. So I will. I will not watch Chopping Wall in that case. No. Yeah. Um, there's also. I, I forget if it's Day or Dawn of the Dead. I think it's Day of the Dead. Right. It takes place largely in a mall. Um, yeah, uh, yes, that sounds right to me. And it's r- actually really good. Or One the of those zombies. remake is, is very good. Is that the Zack Snyder remake? Uh, he remade a, that was his first movie. One? He remade a zombie movie. It could have been. Okay, I don't hmm. remember. But yeah, one of those. Now I'm interested. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things I like about Clueless, about this movie, um, is how much affection it still has for these characters and the stuff that it's making fun of. Uh, like I think you can compare it to something like Heather's, which is still a good movie, mm-hmm. and where Heather's is very, very hostile to uh, high school culture and to the popular click thing and to you know the, that type of ethos. I did think this was kind of like a reverse Heather's. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. I think because it's still like aware of the silliness of it. Yeah, and like how this is all high school and it doesn't really matter, and it's so, weird for these people to take it seriously. Update: Zack Day Snyder. of the Dead is not directed by Zack Snyder. Okay, it's directed by Steve Milner. Okay, I'm thinking of a different zombie remake then. Although it doesn't <laughs> say mall in the Wikipedia description, so it could be Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> okay, we could, I do not know zombies movies well enough to uh, to be that helpful here. This is one of the better like George Romero remakes. Uh, and yeah, it's Zack Snyder. Okay. Yeah, it's Dawn of the Dead and it's Zack Snyder. It takes okay. place largely in a mall. That is the one. It's I was, actually like a good movie. That is the one huh. I was thinking of. That might be one of the only good Zack Snyder films. It's it might a, be the only good Zack Snyder <laughs> film. There's a reasonable argument for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't want to talk about Zack Snyder. Fuck <laughs> that guy. <laughs> um, but in any event, yeah, I think that thinking of this as a, as a reverse Heathers uh, makes a lot of sense. And I, I kind of like, after we've watched several. Uh, teen high school movies that were kind of, you know, very much at odds with the subject matter. It's kind of nice to see one that's 
finding the value in it, right? And mm -hmm. seeing like how you can still operate and be good and and generous and kind. Uh, yeah. Although it still structure. seems to revolve around, or not revolve around, but it still features like kind of a breakdown of the the click dynamic. Yes. Yeah, which I think you see in a lot of these kind of movies where yeah. that they end with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be an interesting article or something where, where just like taking that kind of class-based lens to these movies and seeing how happiness and success and and joy comes when you destroy a class system. Because mm -hmm. um, you see that at the end of this movie, you see it at the end of Mean Girls. That's how Mean Girls ends, kind of. Um, you see Yo, it. spoilers. Yes, yeah, spoilers for <laughs> Mean Girls. Um, <clears throat> So I think that you can you see that in a few spots where it's even like Heather's too. Heather's yes, way. Heather's yeah. too certainly. Breakfast Club. That's all it's about, right? It's about how these this class system is is destructive. Um, so I think that yeah, there might be an interesting take on this whole genre as you know, antagonistic to class, uh, to class based structures. So, here too. Except everybody's like super wealthy in this film, right? And, yeah, you're talking about more like social class than <laughs> yeah, than, yes, economic. than economic class. Uh, the same Breakfast Club, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you have like the John Bender character is portrayed as as poor. Same mm -hmm. thing with the smart kid whose name I can't remember, Brian. Yeah, um, is clearly a lower income. Yeah, family. That's true. Um, as opposed to uh, the Molly Ringwald character who is has diamond earrings and shit. <laughs> and sushi, she and sushi, sushi in the eighties, yeah, <laughs> so foreign <laughs> in Chicago. Um, but yeah, this movie, everyone is universally wealthy, right? Like that is, yeah, it seems to be the case. Yeah, um, it's like Reaganomics one. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah. so they just yeah. here it is. Everyone gets a <laughs> mansion. The movie like rich. doesn't challenge that at all. No, it doesn't. And like, but it's meant. But it's a Jane Austen novel. Exactly it's about like aristocracy, right? It's in, intrigue among the aristocracy. Yeah, and I think it's fine for a movie to intrigue. to be about that and like to just and like we acknowledge that yeah, this isn't how life actually looks, but this kind of still fits into a, it, it's still a good way to tell the story. It still communicates its message well about you know caring for yourself while caring for others, um, and is still at least to some extent aware of class. Uh, on a social level, I think the only real critique is like in the breakdown of like the family unit because like her oh yeah her dad is just like some power lawyer yeah a litigator which is the scariest kind of lawyer <laughs> yeah. is that true <laughs> that, no that's what she said that's the line from I the know, movie you're a lawyer. oh yeah not necessarily <laughs> yeah <laughs> um he they specifically noted he makes five hundred dollars an hour right which yeah. in like ninety dollars is probably like. Eight hundred dollars an hour, or something. right? It's something ridiculous. Anyways, um, but he like he his family life is non-existent. Right, he just works. He, every single scene, he's either w working or yelling about working. Yeah, he's turned through a few marriages. He doesn't. Right. Although he did have one like really sweet scene with her towards the end. Yes, he did. Um, There's a lot of heart there. Yeah, and, and I like the, actually the relationship between the two of them is kind of sweet because you can see it's this guy that has. A hard time showing affection, yeah. And uh, this girl who has a very easy time showing affection, <laughs> uh, and it's like it's an interesting uh, dynamic when he finally does say, "Yes, I see your value." Um, and, and it's nice that she's like constantly looking out for what he's eating. Yeah, <laughs> like it's this running like joke or theme throughout the movie that she's just like always on him about his diet. That um, is like a very nineties. Yeah, suddenly in like the mid nineties, everybody freaked out about. Calories, cholesterol. calories and fat, yeah, and food, yeah, and that was like a huge deal. The, the equivalent of carbs. We're still like dealing with the fallout from that, right? Well, yeah. and we've shifted it to to carbs now, right? Now it's all about yeah, bread. because we were wrong about the fat, <laughs> yeah. the fat part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have learned. Maybe we're wrong about carbs. Maybe I can just go eat all the pasta I want all the time. Yeah, go yeah. Let's see how that goes. I don't know. If science is on your side, but okay. we're constantly relearning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dietary exactly. science. You would have said the same thing in the '90s about fat and calories and whatever. Yeah, that. I mean, that's why '90s food is so awful, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's true. Um, but yeah, I like the the father daughter dynamic. Even if he is like this, you know, overbearing kind of angry man <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Um, what do we think of? Uh, there's a lot of like smaller characters in this movie, right? Like we had mentioned it briefly offline. There's a lot of there's a lot of people here. Yeah. Um, how do we feel that the movie handles that? Right? Because I think that it's can be hard for a director. And he was a 
she's an experienced director now, but this was one of her first movies to handle a large cast and like communicate it clearly. Um, so I don't know, did that stick? Like, did that? I don't think I ever felt overwhelmed by the number of characters. Okay, they were all distinct. I could tell who they were. Maybe I don't remember their names, but I remember yeah. them individually. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, for the it, most part. I feel like you have it with dexterity. I think by kind of leaning on some like stereotypes, yes. it's allowed. Like if you just like follow the archetype, it's like easier. So like the stoner character in particular, it's the stoner character is a stoner character. Yeah, right. The, like, they all look very different, which helps. Yeah, it's kind of like when I read about animation techniques and how every character has a very unique silhouette yeah. and like you know way of moving or whatever. So it's very easy to tell at a glance who it is they are. In this movie, the different characters are very distinct in this way. Because mm -hmm. um, the movie is kind of cartoonish. Yeah. Um, and so it makes it easier to distinguish them all. Yeah. I right. think it also grounds its story well in Cher. It's like, mm -hmm. she's almost in every scene. And she's like our anchor through the movie. Right. So well, like, how she interacts with the characters is believable because we follow her perspective. Right. Really and she's such closely. a rich, such a rich character. And we see, cause you have that voiceover the whole time. So you're like in her head, essentially the whole movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, I think that helps a lot. Uh, Some of the events were confusing at times. Like the the Mighty Mighty Boston's party was mm -hmm. apparently a frat party. It, okay, it, it did not read as that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there were certainly they talk all. about it like a frat that they refer to it as the frat party. Yeah, so like it, it looked like this frat must have just like rented out an event space. And, yeah, which and hired the mighty mighty Boston. Hired the mighty, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a rich Beverly Hills frat, right? So. Yeah, I guess they can do that. Well, but, that would be yeah. a UCLA frat because UCLA is right next to Beverly sure, Hills. Yeah, so it's like that doesn't that like doesn't connect for me because like <laughs> UCLA is a state school, USC is like the rich the, rich the fancy school. one. Yeah, okay. At least particularly in the nineties, um, so that, that didn't read to me. Maybe it was then, a USC party. Then this is why I was like researching whether or not they were related. Uh -huh. Her and Paul Rudd. So I was like, wait, he's in college and right. she's in high school, and there's an age difference. Yeah, and she's yeah. not 18. I think they specifically say she that is she's 15 at the start of this movie. What? Because they yeah. say because when Ty shows up, yeah, um, she says, which it was actually a funny line. She asks Ty how old she is. She says, I'm I'm turning 16 in May, and she says, well, I, well, I, I turned 16 in April, so as your elder, I'm going to tell you X, Y, Z. Well, I missed that. I mean, she looks like she's 25, but... Yeah, I, yeah. I looked it up. She's actually 19. She looks older. I agree. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. That, I was like, hmm, that, that also didn't age well. I guess it's sticking to its Victorian roots. One sure thing is. that confused me is they always talk about not dating high school guys, which made me wonder if they were somehow not in high school or something. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but, they definitely are. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, what I, is that? I mean? also found this aspect what of does that mean? confusing and... Uh, I, I think she's not, saying she finds guys her own age immature. Right, like that's... that I think is the point there. It, it's also probably a parallel to something in Emma. That's sure. totally reasonable and it's probably true to uh, yeah. Emma because... Yeah. That this is a very Victorian kind of thing. In the nineties, though, no, that no is like yeah, not no, good, right? And because <laughs> yeah, he is at least a, okay. If we assume he's a, a freshman, minimum college age would be 18. eighteen. Yeah, and she's fifteen, turned sixteen during the course of the movie. But he's like definitely not a freshman, right? Because he's right. home on like break, right? All the time, and he looked—he looks older, right? Like I don't know how Paul, old Paul Rudd. You know, they always cast people who look older. Uh, everybody right. in the film looks way <clears throat> yeah, older. Yeah, than that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like the fair. stoner dude's got yeah. like his chiseled chin. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's no way he's a high schooler. <laughs> but um, yeah. the character is—it's at, at 18 at the minimum, and she's 15 going into 16. That's uh, pushing it, I think. I mean, Heather's was just made like a decade before, right? Like they go to a college party, yeah, and that's like a weird thing, yeah. And yeah. they critique that like in Heather's, right, right. Like, There's no these critique. are just like kind of rapey college guys. Yeah, I mean it's a it's like a plot point here because like this I'm not going to date high school guys thing, um, but yeah, it's not critiqued. That's for sure. It's not. Yeah. No, no, it's not super at all. weird for this dude to be going after a 
16 year old. Yeah, that was, I think, why I started reading. Then I was like, wait, are they related? (laughs) There's all sorts of like red flags. She says it over and over. Not my brother. There there are a lot of red flags in this film. Yeah. (laughs) And again, I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. I I agree that we, like we mentioned earlier, that it's uh, probably loyalty to the source material, but that is. Yeah, but then the boss sounds like a peer. (laughs) Right. Well, and they drive cars, right? they They have cell phones. Yeah, exactly. And beepers, which. That was a weird overlap of technology. I that guess must have like. lasted for not very long, right? Because beepers were phasing. I out. never understood what beepers were for. Beepers they were pre-cell phone. They're pre-cell like, phones. You need to get in touch with somebody. Yeah. Is that true? Okay. And so they would go to a phone and then call the number that. Right. They, so you would have a. So if you were out, you would get a beep. And yeah. You have to go find a landline to call right, someone. Right. Because you have a beeper yeah. number that you would get yeah. people, and it would just like it, then a number. Would I, I just on was aware because my dad had one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you had. a knew someone that was like in a medical field or in law or like you know some sort of like on call that needed yeah. to happen you had a beeper and you would you know go to a payphone and call the number that called you i remember right. being excited yeah. by it because it was a piece of technology and then always being disappointed by how boring it was yes. super boring yeah because yeah. there's nothing you can do with it, didn't it. Didn't do anything all it does yeah. is receive messages yeah yeah and the message is always just call this number yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah there's not a lot to it and now they're a punchline right like i think there was a a uh, 30 Rock joke about someone selling beepers in like 2010 or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. There is uh, a nice scene when they're she's chatting on a cell phone with her friend and then they run into each other and they yeah. just put the phones down and continue. And like, don't break it. They just all. like naturally continue the conversation. Yeah, totally it's like, seamless. It was very well done. Yeah, like yeah, the, cool. the relationship with Stacey Dash is actually pretty effective. Like yes. they, it seems really natural. It seems very lived in. Um, mm-hmm. like, like they've been friends forever like that. I think, again, grounds the movie in a pretty important way. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that Stacey Dash is a lunatic now. Um, yeah, know? she went off the deep end. She went off the deep end, yeah. yes. And it's, she, I think she's like the only conservative black woman in the country. I, nice. I, I don't know. Amorosa. It was Amorosa. Who? Amorosa. I don't know who that is. She was on... She was an apprentice She was winner. an apprentice. And oh, okay. She now works in the White House. Oh, that's, that's disappointing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stacey Dash, too. And um, yeah, Alicia Silverstone just hasn't seen that much work. She had this. She did one of the Batman movies. Um, she had a like Blast from the Past, which was a, kind of a fun movie. And then she kind of like flitted around at various TV shows and smaller she stuff. She has a lot of voice acting now. Voice right? Yep, she yeah. has voice acting. She was in Killing of a Sacred Deer, which came out this year. There you go. In a relatively small role, but she was in it. Um, but yeah, it's it's because she was great in this. It was really really good. And mm. it's a shame she couldn't find more comedic roles. I forgot that Brittany Murphy had died. She has. Yeah. And I was like looking at stuff on this movie and I was like, tragic Brittany Murphy. I was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was just like completely that was a while ago. left yeah. my memory. That was that good like five years ago. It was like five ago. years ago. Yeah. She died of like an overdose. Yeah. Which of is like prescription meds. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was tragic. <laughs> Actually tragic. But um, yeah, I, I wish that we had seen more funny Alicia Silverstone after this movie because she killed it. Yeah, she's yeah. good. Maybe Killing of a Sacred Deer will Maybe revive. what? Killing of a Sacred Deer will revive her. Career. Yeah, I wish that movie were better. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And she's like not a central character in it. Like okay. It's it's uh, Nicole Kidman yeah. as the female role. Oh, voice acting is a good, good it's, job. Yeah, exactly. Good job I'm, sure, yeah, I'm sure she's she doing She's also fine. a Batman character, right? Yeah, she was Batgirl. Uh, Barbara Gordon. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Wasn't she also in a Batman Oh, movie? Nicole Kidman. Um, or am I hallucinating? Uma Thurman was. Okay. Yeah, because she played no, Poison. No, Uma Thurman was Poison Ivy. Right. That's yeah. Why, yeah. Uma Thurman was in the Batman movie. Oh, okay. Nicole Kidman, I don't think, was. Okay. But I'm saying you might be confusing her with Nicole Kidman because Nicole... Or with um, Uma Thurman because Uma Thurman was a redhead in that Batman movie. Wasn't Nicole okay. Kidman one of the... She might have been like one of the... Women. Yeah, one of the <laughs> romantic okay. interests the Bond without any... girl version of Batman? No, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't but think there's a term for that. But I, I feel like Nicole Kidman was... Okay, you, you might be right then. Maybe. I I'm, might be just... Or I might be hallucinating. Blanking that out. Um, but yeah, the, Alicia Silverstone was also yeah. in Batman and Robin, I think. Yeah. Um... In, in any case, uh, any uh, lingering thoughts on, on Clueless? Um, well, as an art nerd, I got to point out that I really enjoyed the Monet joke. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good joke. 
Although I do find yeah. Monet's rather beautiful up close as well. Right, I think that's part of the joke, is that, of <laughs> course, Monet looks great when you're close and far away and at every point in between. You just can't tell what it's supposed to be when you're really close. Right, which is, like, but, what kind of the genius You know, I get the idea, um, I get what they mean, and it's hilarious to me. abstraction works. Right, yeah, and... Yeah, different perspectives gives you, gives you, hey, look at there we go. Different perspective on the thing gives you different information. Just like, yeah. Just okay, like so she was in Batman Forever. She was? Who was she? Yeah, she was Dr. something. She was She's a, a love interest. She's Dr. Okay. Chase Meridian. Okay. I believe she invents the like TV technology that does something. Does something. <laughs> well, no, it like it, it projects like TV into people's mind's eye. Oh. Okay. And, but that's used the by the hijacking. Riddler and Two Face to like sort of poison people and like no, no. they can steal their money. No, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, good one, Nicole Kidman. The plot of that movie is a little inane. Really, I'm, I'm but, stunned. But it was a great Jim Carrey performance. Why do you remember it? Like I haven't. I saw that movie when it came out and never again. I I I feel like I've seen it a few times. It's on, on TV. TV a lot. Yeah, it's on TV a lot. <laughs> okay. And the Jim Carrey performance is actually, like, impressive considering what's happening around him. Yeah. <laughs> He's an impressive guy. Yeah. Uh, he can be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair. Not yeah. all the time. But, yeah, when he when he is, he is. I, I think it's also one of those films where, like, the Batman was, like, overshadowed. Because it was Val Kilmer who was, like, really flat in, yeah. as a Batman. And yeah. uh, Jim Carrey kind of, like, stepped in and was just, like... I'm gonna knock this one out of the park, no matter like how bad this movie is. Right, which is very yeah. DC, right? Like it's it's common for the <laughs> the villains to kind of overshadow the heroes in DC universe. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm gonna see Justice League. <laughs> You're not missing anything. There's so many other things I want to see right now. Yeah, Justice right? League is not. And yeah, yeah, I might see it eventually, just so I I know I'll have something when I need to pick a worst movie <laughs> of the year. Yeah. <laughs> like it was still better than Valerian. Okay, I, I didn't see either. So, yeah. Um, um, uh, back to Clueless. Uh, one of the scenes that I recall most vividly from this film is right. when they are driving together in the open jeep, and they accidentally drive out into the freeway. <laughs> oh yeah, just like that was that was, like, that was in her BMW convertible. BMW yes. convertible. Yes. Yeah. Um, that like, was very hilarious. funny. It's probably the funniest point in the movie. I was cracking up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're just like screaming at the screen, just you know, pull over. Like this is like there. Well, you can't on the freeway. There's no shoulder. Not really. No. no. In certain sections, like you can't. You're gonna have to get off the freeway somehow. Right. I guess. But yeah, you're right. That scene was. I great. just love that there's like an old lady driving past, <laughs> them, flipping them off. off. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. that was funny. I forgot about that. But yeah, and she's like has that like super angry yeah. face, and, like leaning out of the car door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then the the semi ends up like bearing down on them, and yeah, that was. A, Which, that's a really good way to die. Like, <laughs> don't shit. Yeah, die, like, a semi. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That, uh, they're, uh, they're bigger than you. Is Another um, multi-level joke that stood out to me was when she decides she wants to watch the news with Paul Rudd. And there's a brief clip of the news. It's like, oh, you know, firefight in Bosnia or whatever. Right. She said, I thought they declared peace in the Middle East. <laughs> right. There's so many things going on there. Yeah. That was going on. And, well, and that she's like, spends so much of the movie making fun of him for watching the news and like keeping up with current events. And then when she figures out that she like wants to get with Paul Rudd now, that she has to like... <laughs> find a way to express affection by like pretending she's interested in it and like her faking that was was amusing because she was <laughs> not good at it um but yeah it's it's ironic and it's, it's kind of funny that like she's able to piece together these like complex schemes to get other people to end up together but as soon as she just needs to do the very basic thing of like telling someone that you're interested like she falls apart right and she just doesn't know how to do it it's funny because it, it very much like grounds the movie in a very specific moment in time where it's yes. like you have to watch TV to know what's going on in the world. <laughs> no, not just that, yeah. but that that particular conflict, conflict oh, yeah. or uh, U.S. involvement. Yeah. Uh, and and if you look at like the Venn diagram of like that and like Mighty Buddy Boston, <laughs> like <laughs> popularity. It's like you can draw like within like a few weeks in like 1994. <laughs> like this is when yeah this, this is happened. When it is. Yeah, that reminds me of when they found the exact day of uh, Ice Cube's. It was a good day. Yes. Yeah. I, I wish I could remember which day it was, but they were able to, to yeah, pin it yeah. down. Um, or in um, with the dude, right? He. It's like that. Like the moment of 
the invasion or right after the invasion? Oh, of Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Of Iraq. Yeah. 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 yeah Although that was like past looking. I guess this is too because movies take so long to make. But right, it, it, it was just it, like grounds it in a very specific moment in time. Yeah. It's like also incredibly forgettable. Yeah, it's already the tenth, right? You can pin down the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. Like this movie is again another example of it being of its era, of its time. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most of its era movies I think we've seen. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen 47 moves at this point, so I'm not going to. Yeah. But it's like so, <laughs> but, yeah. so aggressively in this like particular moment. Yeah. Which I, yeah. I kind of love, right? Like, I I think that I like period pieces, and part of the reason I like period pieces is that it feels like time travel, right? Like, it feels like you're going back to a time that you couldn't otherwise go yeah. back to. Yeah. And this, this is not a period piece because it's taking place in what was then current time, but it feels like a period piece for that reason. Yeah, like there's so much of it that it's just. Although you do end up getting yeah. kind of a cartoonishly exaggerated version yes. of the period most of the time. You see one of these, like I remember in um, in Black Mirror, there was an episode where they're all in '80s style, and one of them joked that they're dressed like how you think they're supposed to dress right. Right. from when the it, '80s. Right when it's done poorly, it looks like that. Right, and I think that you look at a movie like. Uh, like Zodiac, for instance, right, which is a period piece, but yeah, and like there are markers where it's like this is this time, right, and this is happening here, but it's not, you know, overbearing, right? Yeah. It's not like hanging a, a lampshade on every single instance of that. So I think when it's done well, right, it becomes transportive. When it it's not, it becomes alienating. And there's yeah. there's a time and place for each of those effects. Like sometimes you want to be alienating, but um, this movie is interesting because it. I don't want to call it alienating, but it is still just immediately obvious that this is oh so 90s yeah. and like over the top oh so 90s. Uh, but I, I, I like it. I find it charming here. Yeah, I'd be interested to like see how it reads for like even younger people. Right. Like would teenagers, like what would their response be to this? Yeah, or would they still find it funny? Right. Like I, I hope so because yeah, I think it's a funny movie. I think it's funny on its mer- own merits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the other thing I like about the, the humor here is that we're not laughing at Cher, right? I feel like a lot of the times we're, for the most part, laughing along with her. Or like, she has enough lines that are funny standing alone and not funny about how much she doesn't know something yeah. that we're not, both. we're not, like, in an antagonistic relationship with her. Like, yeah. We can still be along with her through this movie. Um, and I think it's kind of hard to pull that off with a character that can be a little airheaded sometimes. Like, it's easy to just... Put the audience in a position where they're feeling superior to her, and I don't. I don't think that that's what's going on here, and that's like that's a tough needle to thread um, that they they do uh, in this movie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Okay, good. It's, yeah, it's an interesting time capsule. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what to make of it other than what I've already said, which is yeah. the '90s are just like completely forgettable. <laughs> 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 the slacker uh, decade, right? Just like I, I feel like that's the image of it. I think of uh, either like this very conspicuous consumption that you see here, but also the people that are just you know of the grunge culture and just saying fuck it, you know none of this matters, right? And yeah, that that might be forgettable <laughs> when you decide that nothing has any meaning. Yeah, it's just like nothing here lasted other than the movie itself. Like right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, although I feel like you still get, you hear, still hear references, right? Like you, you, you'll still hear as if and like know where that comes from, um, or the Billy Holiday joke. I think is yeah, brought it's up become a lot. A I've never movie. heard yeah. that joke outside of this. Oh really? Movie, yeah. I definitely ha- it, it has been quoted. I've heard it quoted before. It definitely has a cult following. Yeah, and, and like just an actual following because it's good and it was popular. Like it was really popular when it came out. Apparently, the producers like went to Beverly Hills High School and like just sat in on classes. Really. And, like, Watched students and 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 decided that this was an accurate presentation. <laughs> that. well, That's amazing to me. You know, they researched wow the roles and clothing, huh. and I think the style was like kind of trendsetting at the time, even though it's like not right. really blasted. Right, um, but hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, any any closing thoughts from anyone on uh, on Clueless? I've given them. Okay, I, I think it stands up. Other than like its time markers, like yeah. it is a good movie. Oh, I, I think it's a I great movie. It, it yeah. lasts. Like, I'm a I'm a fan of this movie. Like I think it's very very good. I think it's much better than like most teen movies. Yeah, I, I think it's the 
next to Mean Girls. Like I think it stands alongside Mean Girls as the the, the best, really, that the eighties, nineties, two thousands have to offer for these kind of movies. Like I, it just just really stands alone, and I think it's Cher and Alicia, Alicia Silverstone's performance that sets it apart. Like it's just such a rich and complex character for me um, that I don't see in any other teen movie. Yeah. So I think I think it's great. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm up. Next pick. Your choice. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to pick one that I thought Charles had seen, but I learned recently he has not. Uh, we're going to do uh, Snowpiercer, okay. uh, which is another relatively recent one, um, but I think is a fascinating movie. Um, and just one of a, another great performance um, from an unexpected place. It's one that I wanted to see. I just never got around to it. Oh, I hope you like, like it. Like all the other ones. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think you'll like it, and I hope you like it. And I, I find there are a lot of it. divisive opinions around this movie. A lot of people do not like it. A lot of people think it's not good. I think it's just kind of dumb. I think they're wrong. Um, I think it's really good and smart. Um, but we will watch it, and we will find out. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you next week for Snowpiercer.